Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. I just want to encourage you, uh, in a couple of weeks, Chris mentioned this, that um, Jim Hockaday is going to be with us, and he's a gift in the body of Christ. You know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, set in the body of, the, in, of Christ for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, right? And we're the saints, amen? So when a, when a gift of the body of Christ comes to visit, comes to share, we put some value on that. Amen? It's important that we put some value on that. We, we see lots of scripture where people didn't value the word of the prophet. They didn't value uh, the word of the apostle, and it cost them. So, so let's put value where values do. Amen? The church is alive and active, and the gifts are in the church for a reason. And, and I believe God asked me to have him come in. Um, I've got a, a history with him. I served as an usher with him when he ran the prayer and healing center uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I got to usher under him and... Um, telling you, this man knows God. It's exciting to listen to people that know God. Amen? And so he's bringing a word. He's bringing something that I guarantee he'll be prepared for us for this time, for this season, a word for Westside. It's going to be good. So I encourage you to plan for it. Make sure you're here. Uh, set things aside if you need to, to, to make provision to be here. Um, for the adults, it's Saturday morning, 9 to 11.30, and then sun, Sunday service, two services. But for the youth, he's coming, he's going to do a youth service on Friday night. Now, they're moving their youth in, from Thursday to Friday to garner more attendance. That's kind of why we did it on purpose. So if you know some youth, right, the, we have a conference starting tomorrow, yep. and that's going to be good for them too, but in two weeks on a Friday, if you know some youth, and especially, listen to me, especially if you know some youth that need a touch from God in their bodies, bring them. Now, this is for the adults too. You know somebody or you yourself need a touch from God in your body? Show up because the anointing is present. Yes? God will heal you anywhere. He'll heal you right sitting right in your seat in church on any Sunday morning, any given Sunday morning. He'll, he'll heal you while you're driving in your car, at home in your prayer closet. He'll heal you anywhere, anytime. But there are seasons, there are gifts in the body specifically for the body of Christ to show up and show us who God is. Amen? So we put, we put value on that. We put weight into that. So think about that. God will, God will probably impress on your heart to invite somebody that needs a touch from God. Do you know that, that healing is the dinner bell to bring people to Jesus? Did you know that? Jesus taught in parables. He told stories. He did. And they're, they're powerful, impactful stories. But for the most part, people were coming to hear him teach with power and authority and tell these stories because they were just, he just taught like nobody else. But then God showed up, amen, and he confirmed the word with signs following. And that got people to pay attention. That got people to leave cities and towns that were outside of where Jesus was preaching and come to hear Jesus teach and preach because they needed a touch and their kids needed to be healed and their bodies needed to be healed and their kids needed to be raised from the dead, amen? So God destines the church to walk in these things. 
you, Lord. Okay. We're going to talk about the power of expectation, and we're doing this on purpose. We're talking about faith and, and what it is to expect, and we're doing this on purpose leading up to having Jim come in. I believe it'll help us. Amen? I think the Word will always help us. it always help us. But specifically leading into a season where we've got to be men and women of faith, this will help us. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be good. Thank you, Lord. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Page 1884, if you're looking for it. <laughs> I encourage you to bring your Bible. Gold Star, who's, who brought their paper copy, paper copy of their Bible this morning? Anybody? Okay, good. Gold stars, gold stars, and smiley faces. Excellent. There's something about this word, you know, that um, have it in front of you, having it, being able to read it um, and see it. You know, we don't, we're not going to um, uh, necessarily read Hebrews, or excuse me, we're going to read out of Daniel. We, we won't be in Daniel in our, in our church-wide reading until like August. You guys reading with us? Come on, we're reading the Bible together as a church. If you haven't found that paper yet, there's a couple of copies in the back on the info booth, and it's also online. So you can look it up on the website, and there's a PDF there, and it'll show you. Um, it'll show you. You can look it up and go through and print it off or look at where we're at. It'll show you the dates. But read it. It'll help you. Reading the Bible helps you. Did you know that? This is alive and powerful. Man, you'll see things. But read it with a highlighter in your hand and a pen. So you can underline. When God's talking to you, you can underline and highlight. And you, when you come back to that, you'll remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember what God said. That's important, amen? And you can do some of that on your iPads and on your phones and on your Bible apps. You can. But there's something about your highlighter in your Bible. Yeah? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. You guys heard of the Gutenberg Press? Anybody heard of the Gutenberg Press? So Gutenberg Press was invented to print the written word, to print the page in 1450. Long time ago. Guy wanted to be able to print the Bible without taking a year to write it down. That's how long it took him to hand write out the Bible. And then when you did, it was between three and five years wages to buy one. Imagine that, a couple hundred grand to buy a Bible. Would you own one if it cost you that much? I don't know. I think I might have mortgaged something to buy one, right? But they did. And so he, he, the Lord gave him the idea to, to invent the press. So we have the written word on purpose. It's a gift, amen? Okay, that's just a little extra for you. Hmm. Hebrews eleven six. Let me ask you this question before we read this. Jesus, when he walked the earth, when he was here, did Jesus in every possible way please the Father? In every way, right? Was there anything that Jesus did that displeased the Father? Not one, right? Not one. And how did he do that? Well, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God without faith. So Jesus, in order to please the Father, had to live by, move by, act by, walk by, talk by faith in every possible way. Yes? Now, Jesus is the prime example. He's the perfect example, isn't he? Because he got results, didn't he? Did he ever fail to get results in his ministry with what we have? I mean, he was successful in what God called him to do. Why? Because everything he did, he did by faith. Yeah? <laughs> he did. He truly did. So let's look at a little bit of faith. Turn over to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I encourage you. 
whenever you can. Dust off that paper copy of the Bible. Bring it to church with you. I, I like to listen to the word being read to me while I'm reading it. I like that. So somebody else is reading it with an accent, which is for, for me is just fun. A little bit of an accent. And then they're reading it to me, and I'm reading it at the same time. And I can hit pause on the recording and stop. And, but it helps me get some stuff. And especially when you're reading Genesis, and they're going through the genealogies, and you can't pronounce 80% of those names. But the person reading it to you somehow knows exactly how to say that. That's really nice. Just saying, it might help you a little bit. <laughs> Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> Jesus is just getting back from the, uh, being up on the mount with the, with the three disciples. And he comes back. And in verse 17, one from the crowd answered and said, Teacher, he's talking to Jesus. This is a dad talking to Jesus. said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. This is Mark 9, 17, and 18. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said, O faithless, O unbelieving generation, is what he said. How long shall I bear, be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him, the boy, to Jesus, to him. And when he saw him, when the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus turned to the father and he said, oh my, oh my, oh my, what are we going to do? No, come on, are you reading this with me? He turned to the father and he said, how long has this been happening to him? So he kind of just takes a sidebar while this devil, this spirit is causing a ruckus. He didn't panic. He didn't freak out. If a demon manifested itself to you in the, in, through a human being and they were freaking out, you're about to cast it out and they know it and they're convulsing, how are you going to respond? <gasps> what do we do? Right? I mean, this is what he wants. He wants to immediately put Jesus on the defensive. He, it worked with the disciples. The disciples knew how to cast devils out. They knew how to pray for people and see them get healed. They've been doing it already. But they didn't know how to handle this one. They didn't know what to do. And when the, when the demon manifested like this, it kind of freaked them out. And so what they did didn't work. And Jesus told them why. Oh, faithless generation. It's because of your... Un he told his disciples. It was, they asked him. We'll read it. It's because of your unbelief. So the, this, it tries the same thing with Jesus. And Jesus just goes... Hmm. So how long has it been like this? You see the casual nature of his question to dad? Dad's seen this dozens of times. How long has it been this way? Since he was a, a child. So he's a boy. He's a growing boy. And he says, since he was a child. Often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water, destroyed him, verse 22. But, you can, but if you can do, this is, this is the dad. Now he's He's come to Jesus. He's made the trip, right? And this kid is not easy to travel with, right? He throws himself out of the moving car on the highway, right? When you warm yourself by a fire, he thinks he might just crawl right in. 
when you get near water at all, he thinks, I'm just going to baptize myself and just stay down for a while. This kid is, is not easy to travel with, but dad has taken his son and come a distance, whatever it was, to find Jesus. And he comes to the disciples first because Jesus wasn't there yet. And the disciples are like, we know, how to, we know how to deal with this. We'll try this. And then the, the demon manifests in this boy. And the disciples are like, oh, hey, oh, oh. Uh, it's your turn, James. Right? And, and they didn't get results. And so they come to Jesus. And so he's seen, it, he, he's seen them try to do something already. They tried to exercise the demons. And it didn't work. It didn't work, right? So this is what the dad says. And he says, if, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said this. Now, in the Hebrew, Jesus said this. What do you mean if? It's, it's this sense of, huh? And Jesus says, if you can believe all things. Everybody say all things. All things are possible to him who, what? Believes. He gives him the key. He answers the question with the answer. The answer. If, he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, if you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. That's powerful. Amen? That means, as believers, it's not all up to God. Believers have to believe. We have to believe something. Bowlers bowl, golfers golf, believers believe. And he's encouraging them. If you can believe, there's nothing impossible. (laughs) And then the father, out of desperation, hears what Jesus said. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father cries out, I believe. Come on, do you hear the intensity in what dad was saying? I believe. I believe. And immediately, immediately, immediately when he says, I believe, the enemy comes with doubts and thoughts and pictures and images. He's been dealing with this boy for a long time, years, years, since he was a child. How many times he tried to throw himself in the fire? How many times he tried to drown himself? How many times he convulsed and seized and went into fits? How many times? And then just recently, five seconds before, the disciples tried to do something about it, and nothing happened. And here's Jesus saying, all things are possible to him who believes. And he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because there's thoughts and there's ideas and there's suggestions, right? Brother Hagin said, you can have faith in your heart and you can have doubt in your head and your faith will still work because there's, there's something about faith in your heart, in your spirit when you believe and God is working. But that does not mean the enemy's not going to bombard your mind with thoughts and ideas and suggestions. Those are thoughts. You can believe in your heart and say no to those thoughts. Do you hear me? Just because they come in doesn't mean you camp on them. Doesn't mean you dwell on them. Doesn't mean you let them take over. In the book of James, James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That you should pray without wavering. That you should believe without wavering. That a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not think he'll receive anything from God. A double-mindedness, this is not the same as what dad's dealing with right here. That is not the same thing. 
Dad has just heard from Jesus. He has received a word of faith that if you can believe, all things are possible. And he declares, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because he's got thoughts and he's got images and he's got history with this son and it not getting better, right? Double-minded means you go back and forth between what you believe is going to happen and what you believe is going to happen. You got a plan A and a plan B all the time, all the time. I want it to go like this, but if it doesn't, then we'll take this. That's being double-minded. You're playing out all the scenario of how you're going to handle each situation, right? God shows up in my life and he heals me and I'm free of it completely. Now, now how do I act? Well, now I'm going to ride my bike more and I'm going to, I'm going to walk more and I'm going to do the things that I wanted to do. And I'm going to move around with my kids and my grandkids and I'm going to plan trips and I'm going to go places. And when you're healed, when you feel good, when you're not restricted, you make plans to do things differently, don't you? But when you're sick and you're injured, you make plans for that too, right? Well, we can go to Disneyland, but I'm going to have to get the power chair, right? And it's going to slow us down because I, I can't make it all the way across the park, you know, because I got this thing in my hip and my leg. And when I walk too long, my back hurts. This is double-minded. That's double-minded. Do you see the difference? It's subtle, but it's important to recognize. Because if this is double-minded... If dad says, I believe, help my unbelief. If that's double-minded, he can receive nothing from the Lord. But that's not what we read. Do you see this? Do you see this? This is so important that we get a hold of this. Because the enemy's using scripture. You know, he uses scripture and twists it against us to get you discouraged and upset. Do you know that? And he'll bring that, oh, you're double-minded, you're double-minded, you can't receive anything from God. Look at that thought that came in your mind. He brought the thought. He's the one that said, oh, what about this? And what about this? And then he goes, oh, now you're double-minded. It's him doing it, trying to discourage you. Do you see this? How just wicked and evil that is? How you grab a hold of that thought and how you start planning and meditating, that's when you go from faith to double-minded, and you're going back and forth, planning two scenarios out, and you're, you're wavering. You see the difference? Are you with me? So we see here, he says, Lord, I believe. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, there's thoughts coming to my mind, Jesus. There's stuff I'm thinking about that I've seen, and, and I, but I believe what you said. I've seen you do it in other people. I heard the stories. I came. I know it's possible. You just said all things are possible to him who believes. I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus saw the people running together and he rebuked the spirit. He said, deaf and dumb spirit, come out. I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit convulsed him greatly. You know, the enemy will throw a fit right before he leaves. Right? So just be ready for it. When you speak to something, when you stand in faith about something, there's going to be a little bit of a last-ditch effort to try to ca- throw you off track. One more moment. Yes? So just be ready and just know, mm-mm, word's working. Word's working. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. Word's working. He who believes, all things are possible, and I believe. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Come on, are you a believer? Come on, say it. I'm a believer. Yes. Come on, that'll take you a long ways. <laughs> And it came out of him. And it came out. And he looked dead. He, he became as one dead. And they said, see, he killed him. Jesus killed him. I knew it. I told you. I told you it was going to happen. 
He's dead. Shouldn't have brought him to Jesus. Well, people will just get on your case when you're doing all kinds of good, won't they? Good night. Get in line. Take a number. Right? Just be, be ready for the naysayers. When it doesn't look like it's supposed to. Oh, killed him. Killed him. Jesus killed him. They're the worst. Stop hanging out with those knotheads. Jesus picks him up, takes him by the hand, lifts him up, and he arose. Never mind. He's fine. Just kidding. So the disciples, as good disciples as they are, when they were in private, asked Jesus, why didn't it work for us? We followed all the steps. We'd done this before. We'd seen you do this before. We, we did the stuff. What happened? Now, in this version of the story, this Mark version of the story, Jesus said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But you know, there's a parallel version of this in, in Matthew 17. Same story told from a different perspective. And this is brilliant of God to do this for us so that we can see different aspects of the same story. You know, you get a better picture when you have more than one story. Because your story is true to you, but it may not be true to me. I saw it differently. You did not ride the bull for a full eight seconds. It was 0.8 seconds, right? But I was on it for a long time, right? That's your version. Yeah? So chapter 17. Let me find it. Thank you, Lord. Is it chapter 17? I believe so. Oh, okay, that's 18. Well, I'm not going to find it in 18. Okay. In verse 20, or verse 19, they asked him, they pulled him aside. They said, Jesus, why couldn't, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said this, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. His disciples. Now, I told you this. This was, this was a new one. This is something they hadn't quite seen before. This thing was Pitch it a fit, temper tantrums, demon manifesting through this little boy, this child. This, and that, that caused them to step back and go, hmm, James, why don't you take this one? Right? And it didn't work because they didn't believe that what they said was really going to happen. Jesus told them. Do you see this? But then he did go on to say, he said the same thing again in this next chapter. He said, this kind comes by prayer and fasting. This kind, this kind of spirit will come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Who does prayer and fasting change? Does it move God when you don't eat a couple of meals? Right, when you pray a whole bunch and add a whole bunch of prayers together, when you get a million people to pray to God, is that when God gets off of his rusty dusty and says, well, I got a million signatures. We'll do the recall. Let's go, let's move. Is that what moves God? No, it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. He who believes, nothing is impossible, right? Right? So who does prayer and fasting affect the most? Us, our flesh. It gets our attention off of our stuff. Puts it on God. Tells our flesh to be quiet. No, you're not eating that burrito. I don't care how hungry you are. No, not even a Ritz cracker. You're fine. Shut up. We can make it a whole meal. Right? You telling yourself... To listen to the real you on the inside. That's who it affects the most. Jesus is telling us this kind right here. 
You, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. This comes out by some consecration. This comes out by you knowing who you are and who, and who God is inside of you. This one comes by you having solid, firm, unshakable faith, unwavering faith. You see that? Thank you, Lord. You know, you got to have faith to do some things in this earth. We're supposed to live by faith in everything we do. When you're supposed to get up and comb your hair on a Sunday morning by faith, brush your teeth, shower, and come to church on a Sunday morning by faith, show up and worship by faith, listen by faith, me to preach by faith, you to receive everything by God, from God by faith. That's how we're supposed to live our lives, by faith. Yeah? That's what we're called to do. There's things you do already that you do because you believe them by faith. You know, when, you, when I jumped out of an airplane, I had to learn some stuff before I did that. They teach you, they instruct you ahead of time about your equipment, the goggles you wear and the altimeter you wear so you know how high you are, so you don't forget and open your chute 50 feet above the ground, right? Or way too high up in the jet stream. That's bad too, right? They teach you about your equipment and your parachute and all the gizmos and gadgets that are on it. And they show you how they pack it so you understand how it opens up and that it will arrest your fall and you can steer it and guide it and land softly. They teach you these things so that you will actually strap it on and get in a perfectly good airplane to jump out, right? And there are people in the class training with me, learning about all the equipment and how it works and it's super, super, super rare. For it to fail on students, on people that are just learning. Super rare. And they're still like, nope, took the class. They're like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> not strapping it on, not getting in that bucket of bolts. Uh-uh. I'm out. And they left. So, you know, you can hear the word of God and still say no. You can hear all the truth and still say, mm-mm, no, no, I don't believe it. You gotta have faith even to get into the airplane to go up two miles to jump out. The airplane that's taking you there, you gotta have faith in it. But faith will produce an action in you if you believe something enough. I believed it enough. I trusted it enough to strap it on. To get in the plane, to go up two miles, and to let go when he said let go. Right? Faith's an action step. If you believe it, It'll cause you to do something. It'll cause you to take a step. There are things you're believing God for in your life that there's an action step you need to take if you believed it and you received it. The Bible says, Jesus said this in Mark 11. He said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. When do you believe you receive them? When you see it, when you can taste it, when you can touch it? No, no. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. You believe you receive it when you pray. When the prayer comes out of your mouth. Yes? And then he says, then you'll have it. If you can believe you receive it when you pray, you will have it. These are red letters. Jesus said that. I'm not making this up. You know I didn't write this, right? Jesus said it. So when we start walking and believing in faith, right, we believe it when when we know we've got it, when we believe we've got it, is when we pray. According to the will of God. What's his will? You can look, find it right there. 
You can find God's will for your life right there. Healed, whole, sound, redeemed, provided for, abundance, rich relationships. It's in there. Whatsoever things you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them. And you shall have them. When you pray. See, faith people, say that's me. We see it done before everybody else. That's what our imagination is for. God gave you that, right? And this isn't fantasy unicorns and rainbows. This is legitimate. We're following after God and he's showing us things and we're imagining what it looks like before we ever experience it. That's why I told you earlier, make, make an action step. What does it look like for you to walk in the healing that you've been believing God for? What kind of plans would you make to do that? Some of y'all will write a testimony card to Westside Church so that we can share your testimony with others. Maybe you should write that. Write your testimony. Right? Hang on to it. Look at it. Read it. What are you going to feel and experience in the natural when you actually get to hold it? When you actually get to see it? Right? When that pain's gone. When that disease shows up with the doctor report and says, it's gone. You're clear. You're free. How are you going to respond? I say respond that way now. You hear that? Because faith sees it done before you ever see it done. Yeah? This is what faith is. Jesus said, the only things you see me do are the things that I saw the Father do. And the only things you hear me say are things I heard the Father say. Well, when did he get that? When he was in prayer. When he was spending time with his Father. Are you hearing me? This is for believers. We got to see some things done before they're done. And we got to activate our imagination. We got to activate our action part of what we believe and use our mouth and use our believer on the inside to see it completed. Right? So how are you going to act? How are you going to respond when that's done? What's that going to look like? Start making preparation. Start making plans. Come on, that's an act of faith. That's a step of faith. You don't need a plan B. Plan A is good. God's your plan A. I would contest that in the day that we live, it's a little bit more difficult. Now hear me. It's a little bit more difficult to walk in this God kind of faith than it was maybe 200 years ago. And I say that because We've had some massive medical advancements. Massive. And it's the mercy of God. He's med- medical science by the mercy of God. Come on now, all of it's from God. You know, man's not making this stuff up. This is from the Lord, right? It's the mercy of God to keep people along a lot longer to give them more of a chance to repent and find Jesus and not die when they're 12 years old or right out of the womb, Right? I mean, they didn't have defibrillators 200 years ago, right? I mean, the best you could do is rub a balloon on your head and hope the static would do something. (laughs) Clear? (laughs) Did they have balloons? I don't know. Maybe they had carpet. They could just shuffle. I'm coming. Hang on. Clear? I think it just might be a little bit harder these days, right? Because we have so many options. 
There's so many, and I'm not knocking science or medicine or anything. We need, I, I think it's a good thing. I think, yeah, I think you need to take your vitamins and listen to your doctor and some things. But more than your doctor, you need to listen to the spirit of the living God on the inside of you. Because he may lead you different than Dr. So-and-so. We got to get to a place where if we go in and we get a report from the doctor, it will not move us. I don't like praying prayers with folks who say, now let's just believe God for a good report. That's, I don't like that prayer. You want to know why? Because the report does not indicate whether my faith's working or not. The report could be the worst one you ever got. Worse than the last one. That doesn't mean the word's not working. And if we base our hope and our faith on what that report says, who we believe in? Double-minded man. Still gotta love me because the Bible says so. Thank you, Lord. Things you were told were impossible are not impossible. They're not impossible. Matter of fact, we should almost get a little bit giddy when somebody says that can't be done. <laughs> say it again. Say it. I got scripture for that. Tell me. Say it. Say it's impossible. Well, I've never seen it done before. I mean, it's most likely impossible. Yes! Yes! We've never heard anybody get cured of that. I mean, it's 100% fatality rate. Yes! The doctor would be like, what's the matter with you? God says all things are possible to him who believes. There's nothing impossible with him. You're saying it's impossible, and I'm like, yeah! No matter what you've said you have or your kids have, don't label them or label yourself that. Ever, ever kick that stuff out. That is not a label from God. All things are possible for him that believes. Yes, that'll take you a long way. Those are people that get to see miracles. Those are people that get to see the hand of God move. Those are people that have testimonies over and over and over again. People will get irritated with you by how many testimonies you have. Why does this stuff keep working out good for you? And you better tell them the truth. I had my lucky charms this morning. You better put credit where credit is due, amen? Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. That's why it keeps working out for me. I just can't write these testimony cards out fast enough. Yes. So the man says, Jesus, if, if you can, will you please help us? And Jesus says, if I can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Ifs are powerful. Do you know that? I want to show you one more if. You got some time? Yeah. To the whiteboard, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Daniel chapter 3. Go to Daniel 3. If you brought your Bible, you're going to want to highlight and underline what we're about to talk about. And if you didn't bring your Bible, go back and highlight and underline. Because you're going to want to see this again. Okay. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel and his buddies, when Israel was conquered, were brought into the king's palace. Now, of the time, usually you took uh, slaves, conquered peoples, 
into your kingdom and you used them as slaves. You did not promote them and give them any type of position. That was not something that was done. This particular king saw value in other culture, that there was wisdom and understanding in other cultures and decided to find the best and the brightest from Israel and use him to his advantage to help advance his kingdom. This was not normal for the time. However, God had another plan, yay? And so these uh, three Jewish boys with Daniel uh, found favor from the king after they were captured. And God worked out some miracles to get them to this place. And, and he, got them, he got them here to chapter three. Now, now, Nebuchadnezzar renamed them. Their names were not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not their real names. Their real names were Hananiah and uh, Michelle, Michelle and Azariah. That were their Hebrew names, right? But um, it's, it's kind of one of those things you... Um, kind of a slap in the face to somebody that you conquered. They're like, now what's your name again? Uh, Tom? Yeah, I don't like that. Let's go with uh, Curly. Curly it is from now on, right? And uh, Curly, Mo, and Larry, right? Three Stooges, there you go. Off you go. And they changed their names. That's what they did. They did it to uh, show them their place, right? We don't like your name. We're changing it. So when you see them in heaven, use their real name, right? Not their makeup name. Got it? Okay. Learn it. It'll be worth it. Your time. Okay. So verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12, they've found favor with the king. Now the king has decided to make an image that everybody's going to worship. He has developed an image. And this thing is 90 feet tall and it's 9 feet wide. It looks like a sequoia. If you've seen the sequoia forest in California, it's just massive, massive. And he says, everybody's going to worship this image. And so he tells them, he, he calls everybody together. He calls the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces. Anybody that's a bigwig, he calls them. He calls them up. He's going to tell them. And then all the peoples. And he tells them this. When you hear the flute, the horn, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and the symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. That's the thing. And then he says, whoever does not, verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast, what does it say? Immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. This is the declaration of the king, right? When the king says something of this time, it happens. Are you hearing me? This isn't like we're going to decide whether we want to follow those rules or not. Is that constitutional? I'm going to call my lawyer. None of that was in effect. The king says it, and this happens. You hear the song, you hear the music, you worship the idol, or you will immediately immediately be cast into the fiery furnace. You hear that? So he puts it to the test and he fires up the band and they play and everybody in the land falls down. They know this is a dire situation. If you don't do this, immediately fiery furnace. But guess what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mortal enemies are watching to see what they will do because they know the character of these men. They know him. They got their eye on him. And guess who's the first to tattletale? Yep, dirty rats. Go right to the king. Well, while we were worshiping, out of the corner of our eye, we happened to see these boys not worshiping. So what does he do? In a rage, verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Right here, he has already violated his edict. Because what did he say? Immediately. 
if you don't do it immediately. But you know what? He likes them because they earned favor for their position. They're from another land in another country in another culture. And God showed himself faithful through them. And they were wise beyond their years. And he helped Nebuchadnezzar rule well. They had found favor. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over your affairs for the province of Babylon. They had found, they had found favor. He had set them over affairs. Come on, you don't get to that position without some favor. So he's already violated his first rule. Why? Because he likes them. He's, he's giving them another chance. So then he brings them up and he says, maybe I wasn't clear. Let me say it again. When you hear the song, you worship the image. You got it? And these three guys said, King, there's no need for us to answer you in this matter. There's no need for us to deliberate. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to take a minute. Verse 15, he says, If you worship the image, good. In the last of that verse, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately. He's saying it again. It's really funny because he already violated it, right? You shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Come on. He's, now he's just throwing down the God. He's like, and who's going to save you now, boys? And this is what they say. They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we, need, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If... This is the case. The Bible says, the translation of this is, if this is so. What are they saying? What's this question? If, I get to write on the board. Now, I do not have good handwriting, so don't, don't mock, okay? If, if it be so. If it be so. If what be so. What are they saying? They're saying, king, we have no need to answer you in this. If it be so. What are they saying? And say, if, if you're going to throw me, if, if that's true, if, we're not, if we don't worship, you're going to throw us into the furnace. If that be so, that's what they're saying. If that be so, now look what they say. If that's so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. He's able, and look at this, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. That is a statement of faith. Not only is God able, come on, is he able to heal your body? Is he able to provide for your finances? Is he able to give you words to speak to your family so they can be born again and saved? Is he able to fill you with the spirit? Come on, is he able to restore everything to you? Yes, he's able. And then they say, and God will do it. Come on, that's a statement of faith, isn't it? Can you hear the conviction in their voice? You know I'm not mad while I'm talking like this, right? This is just my emphatic higher register. I haven't even gotten to the, what are you doing? Like when I do with my kids, right? I haven't, I haven't even got up to that level yet. They're making a statement and a declaration of faith. He will deliver us. Now this is where theologians have messed this verse up and it just drives me bananas because I need you to see this. If it be so, king, if you're going to throw us into the furnace for not worshiping God, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. And then they say in the very next verse, but if not, what are they saying? I'm telling you, these two words are tied together. 
Why? They are not saying, if God does not deliver us. But if not, be it known unto thee. This has been taught wrong for so long, it drives me nuts, nuts, nuts. But if he doesn't, they make this awesome declaration of faith. He is able and God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, come on, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How do you have a plan A and a plan B? That's double-minded. Do you see that? And the, and the, the, the icing on the cake is that why would you tell the king what you're not going to do when you're fried chicken? When they're vacuuming you up with the dustbuster, when it's all over, why do you need to tell him you're not going to worship his God? You're dead. It makes no sense. Do you see this? But if you don't throw us in, or if you, but, but if not, we're still not going to worship you. We're still not going to. They're telling him, if you decide one more time, if you decide one more time that you're not going to throw us in, because he's already saved them once. They should have already been in without any conversation, without any restating the whole purpose. They should have already been in there, but he gave them another shot. And they said, okay, if you're going to do this, God is able and he will deliver us. But if you decide not to, like you already did, we're still not going to worship your image. That just ticked him off. You see the rage, it says rage and fury. He's like, heat that baby up seven times hotter. Do you see what I'm saying though? Do you see about these ifs? Because there are translations. There are translations that I even like that they have taken creative liberty in this verse. And they have said, but if he, capital H, doesn't. Go back to that verse for me real quick. But if they have taken creative liberty, and, they, and the Bible says in verse 18, but if he, capital H, God does not, we still won't worship your, that's not what the Bible says. They said, if you don't, if not, if you don't throw us in, just like you already spared us, we're still not worshiping your idol. Do you see this? You, can't, you don't make a declaration of faith and then on the very next breath say, but if it doesn't work out. That's double-minded. And we see in James, you can't receive anything from God being double-minded. Have you read the rest of this? God miraculously saves them, right? He, he throws them in the furnace and the guy's so hot, the guy's putting them in, die before they even get them in there. They have to finish the walk on their own. The guy holding them and throwing them in there, he dies. Well, I guess we might as well go all the way in. And then the king's like, um, uh, uh, fellas, how many did we put in there? I see four. We only put in three. This is a miracle. A miracle. It's the Greek, miracle. It's a miracle, right? Something amazing happened. Because they declared by faith, my God is able and he will deliver us. And even if you don't throw us in this furnace, we're still not worshiping your God. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how this fits together? Do you see how this has been taught wrong for so long? It drives me crazy. And they use really good scriptural, spiritual type stuff around it. Like even if God doesn't come through, I'm still gonna serve you. Wait a minute. God will come through. He always comes through. declaration of faith you'll never read it the same will you come on and you shouldn't because these boys do god was going to save them they they were doing the right thing and god will honor that and look what god did in the country after that he calls them back out they walk out they don't even smell like smoke their bonds aren't on them and they said i don't know what you guys got but this whole country man we're going to honor your god because that was a miracle
Yes? Yeah. If you had your Bible here, you could be highlighting this and underlining it. Right? <laughs> Go home and do it. Write it down. Put it in your book. Dust that baby off. Amen? You need to, you need to be able to see this for yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So what is it that moves God? Do needs move God? Desires? How about crisis? Pandemics? What moves God? It's faith. And faith is simply believing. Faith is a simple definition. It's what you believe. That's what you have faith in. It's a persuasion. It's a conviction based on what you've heard. Faith is simply what you believe. It's used interchangeably through the New Testament. Faith is what you believe. It's what you believe. And you can't believe that God's going to do something from you unless you've heard from what God has said. Right? What is he saying to you? What has he spoken to you? Come on, he'll say a lot to you right here. Come on, he wants you healed and whole and sound and restored. Come on, and full of the Spirit. Come on, you can believe God, his perfect will right here, written down, written down, written down, written down. And then there are things he'll tell you specifically. He'll speak to you. And when do you hear those things? Come on, Jesus heard him when he was quiet. Jesus heard him when he was alone. Jesus heard him when he was in prayer. He heard the Father talk to him. He showed him things. He saw things. Yeah? I've seen the next building we're supposed to be into. And it's bigger than this. Come on, I see the whole community just waking up on a Sunday and just getting out of bed and gravitating to the church because God's doing something. Because of you and I showing up, expecting God to show up every week and move and see people's lives changed and redeemed and transformed. Every week, every week, every week. I've seen it. I've seen it. Come on, what are you seeing about yourself and about your marriage and about your family and about your kids and about your job, about the ministry God's appointed to you? What are you seeing? God wants to show you these things. Come on, it makes no difference what age you are. From child to the wisest among us. God has something for you and he'll show you something, amen? Amen. What are you seeing? Because that will produce something inside of you. You can stand up in the face and go, no, God is able and he will deliver us. I've already seen it. I've already seen it, amen? Faith sees things before they're done. That's what faith is. It's a picture of what it looks like before you actually hold it, see it, smell it, taste it, feel it. So a wise man or woman would see those things and make preparation for it. Write out that testimony card. Make that planned trip. Write that email or that letter to that loved one. See, I told you God would do it, and he did, right? And hang on to it. That's a step of faith in the right direction. Amen? Because God, God wants to do it. He is willing. He is not withholding it. He is looking in the earth for those that would be in faith. Right? It's easy to get out of double-minded. Did you know that? You just cancel one of the operations, one of the, one of the options. It's like, that's just not an option for me anymore. Now, listen to me. I want to clarify this. This is important. God will lead you specifically for you. Did you know that? Specifically for you. You know, we went back just even to the, the medicine thing. 200 years ago, if you got a terminal diagnosis, right, there wasn't chemo available. They didn't have a, 
intensive care unit. They didn't have an ICU back then. Right? You had an option of, we're believing God or we're seeing Jesus early. Those are your choices. Right? There are times, I believe in this season, there are times God will lead Christians to have the operation. He will lead them to to take the medication. Why is that? Because we are all on different levels of faith. We all are. We're growing. We're growing. But come on now, God will not put on you what you cannot handle. That's, that would be unfair and unjust. He will not allow you to be t- tempted beyond what you are able. So you need to listen to God for yourself. He might tell you to get that surgery, and that's okay. He might tell you to take that medication, and that's okay. But it doesn't have to be forever. Are you listening to me? This is important. There are people, God has said, throw that medication out. And they knew it. They knew it. They knew it. And they walked in healing. They saw it. And there are others that it took a little bit more time. Come on, but you're in a good place. You're in a church that teaches faith, right? We're reading the Bible together where we're learning about faith and what it means to believe God with everything that's in us. Just keep going. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. None, right? Just keep going. Keep trusting. Keep building your faith. Keep trusting the Lord and listen to Him specifically. Yes? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm done. You guys have been great. You've been good. You've been good. This is something God's trying to get into us, amen? And I believe it's for purpose because a man of God's coming to help us. He's coming to instill some things into us that's part of the gifts that we're meant to come together and work together. I have a job to do. You have a job to do. Other gifts of the body have a job to do. And it's when we all come together that we are whole and complete, perfect for the master's use, amen? So if we'll build our faith leading up to an evangelist coming to minister to us, we're going to see some stuff right? And this isn't a circus where we just show up and say, well, what are they going to surprise us with next? This isn't a circus. We show up with our expector on, our believer engaged, amen? Amen. Saying, thank you, Lord. You're going to meet people's needs, and they're going to be changed and transformed by the glory of God. Because God wants to do it, doesn't he? I mean, Jesus showed us. Okay. You're not going to miss the game. Starts at 3.30. I'm in my 45-minute close right now, so just no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to give you an invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you haven't done that, and you need to. You re- need to recommit, rededicate, say yes to the Lord. Do that this morning. Come on, Jesus died for you so you could live with him. Yeah. That's brilliant. Amen? Amen? But you got to say yes. It's the believer. you got to get it engaged. Let me pray for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.